0: Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com
1: Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified
0: Coach Christopher McCollum. And welcome to another edition of The Coaching Show. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, and yes, this is my co- my radio voice, <laughs> my podcast voice. Uh, we're here uh, in early April, April 8th of 2020. That's only important because we're uh, besieged. We're in the midst of the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, delighted to have as our uh, co-host today, as often happens, Alex Terranova, the Dream Mason. Hello, Alex. Look around outside. Where are you today? Good morning. I'm in
2: Thousand Oaks, California, which for people that are listening that don't know is like halfway between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara.
0: And have you counted? Are there a thousand? You know, <laughs> um, I started counting
2: and then they told me to go back inside that, uh, <laughs> that you could, you might be able to catch the, the Rona from trees now. So um, you don't, you don't know where you can get it every day. There's a new
0: development. Coronavirus so. jokes, I like it. It's a little too soon; feels too soon, but okay. I you know, I
2: you know when when Marion Williamson started putting up the coronavirus memes, mm-hmm. I think that gave the the opportunity for the us to have jokes because you know she reminded us that no matter what's going on, we got to bring humor to life.
0: All right. So, well, as we often do, let's talk about co- the conference scene. So, my um my big uh, debut in Europe this year, the European. Mentors and Coaches Conference that that was scheduled or is scheduled, I guess, in early June in Paris, France. And I was looking forward to getting on that plane, wasn't I? Uh, Is going to happen, I think, virtually officially now. The Conversation Among Masters, Conversation Singular, Among Masters, Plural, Conference is going to happen virtually. ACTOS, the Association of Coach Training Organizations Conference, is going to happen virtually cam is in may and uh acto is in june Uh, do you know any other things are you giving any talks are you going to any conferences virtually or in person uh
2: i mean i have some like local small things that are private but no i don't have i don't have any of those big uh, things. those those are called dates those 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 are called dates uh no i mean i'm gonna i'm i'm glad that you shared that cam is virtual because i was gonna go and now i know that i get to do it yeah, they
0: were, they were, they're, they're confusing in there I guess they're trying to get out of their, um, uh, contract. And so they're not announcing the cancellation, but some, somebody whispered in my ear that it was going to be virtual this year. You um, shouldn't let people that close to you right now. You know that, right? <laughs> That's true. We had, uh, we had, uh, a relative come to visit the house the other day who has been quarantined and, uh, and people I was on zoom with some people and they went nuts because what are you doing with a person in your house? And, um, you know, I think that I appreciate the camaraderie of that, but I also think that there's a, it's funny to have that kind of an invasion of privacy. Anything that you've, you've, you actually moved out of your house and what are you, Thousand Oaks is your parents home? Where are you? Yeah. So
2: I live in, I live in San Diego, not far from you. And my parents, since this has gone on, have just been like a lot of, a lot of nerves, a lot of anxiety as, as I'm, you know, lots of people do. And my parents are older and my dad isn't in the best of health. And it puts a lot of pressure on my mom. And they had been asking me to come up and just to be with them and support them and help them out. And I kind of kept coming from like, what if I'm asymptomatic? And I show up there and, you know, dad's not a healthy guy. You're, you know, you're in, you guys are in your seventies and eighties. What if, what if I were to kill you? And uh, after about two weeks of the discussion, they made the choice, which I thought was a really interesting way that my mom made the choice. She said, you know, I can't control if I'm going to die or not. She goes, but I can make the choice of whether I get to see you. And I think it's more important that I get to see you and spend time with you. than worry about like if i possibly could get this and it could possibly kill me and that was their decision and i had been quarantined in san diego for basically a month um but the thing that i think we're all that i think everybody's unaware of is like you on your drive up you stop at the gas station you know you could it could happen then like you never you never know so we took a chance and i've been up here for about a week and so far so good but it's been good i went to the grocery store for them i can do those like little things that it's actually better that they don't do and since I've been up here, the things they were using, like the home delivery services, are like all out. So they would have had to leave the house um, if I wasn't here. So I think it's, it was actually a good
0: decision. Okay, I get it. We get it. You're a good son. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, that was such a beautiful, heartwarming story that could have ended right at that right at that part where she said, "I'd rather I can't control when I'm going to die, but I can't control when I or I would like lo- like to see you." That was a heartwarming point right mm. there. That was beautiful. Um, uh. I feel like if if we haven't lost all of our listeners now to our sort of downtime, <laughs> that we it's time to go to our uh, guest. Is there anything that you want to share before we do that? Anything that you're struggling with? Are you struggling with like money or your clients all freaking out? What's happening? Are you you're, you're getting along with your parents? Everything okay? Any drama you want to talk about?
2: I think I would just say instead of going into like this anything specific, I would say the thing I notice is this is just put a magnifying glass on wherever your wherever your, um, drama is. So if you're a person that has drama with money, you probably got extra drama with money. If you got a person that I do does drama in relationships and that's what I've noticed with my clients and with myself. Uh, so for me, it's usually relationships. That's where the drama shows up for
0: a lot of my clients. It's, you know, their kids and their wives. So and how are things going with your new love? Anything you want to share? That's interesting.
2: No, I, let's, let's just say that, uh, the pandemic has, has created lots of has created lots of drama and lots of new things. Um, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to bring somberness into this. Uh, any further? Yeah. Any any further? I got a puppy, so you know that's an upside. People love puppies.
0: They do. We do. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm.
2: Wait, glad. that sounds up over you. What about you? Wait, what about you? You're stuck in the house with your wife and your kids. And yeah,
0: the- I'm not. Here's here's the only thing that's interesting about me is I finally broke. Like I finally had a total meltdown. And I didn't think I was going to, so it surprised me, and it surprised my family. I just, like, I was going along, and I was running my company, and I was being with all my clients, and dealing with life, and, you know, putting people in, having the staff work from home, and, you know, just going along, doing great. And then, man, Saturday, I had this massive meltdown. I was a complete jackass to my family. Like, they shouldn't even still be talking to me, but God bless them, they're a forgiving bus. And I was just horrible to be with and I couldn't get out of it you know all the tools all the training all the books all the everything I still I couldn't wouldn't get out of it and then I um I like put myself in a timeout you know I'm like (laughs) daddy's gonna be in here nobody come in and uh my wife would check on me every once in a while you know honey how you doing get out okay like Jekyll and Hyde or something right and um and so I did some uh therapy and uh coaching work on it on monday right about like what is my deal and it turns out there are these things called feelings and apparently if you don't tend to them they just come out and grab you so uh that's what it was so now i've got a daily meditative practice and some other stuff to get in touch with those pesky critters and um but i'll tell you this it opened me up in in a much softer way to my clients as well as my family and loved ones, right? Like, oh, I got room. Everybody's going to have some, if I'm going to have a meltdown, everybody's going to have a meltdown, right? And um, there is mm-hmm. something that I wanted to share. It, it feels like we're on the wrong tone right now. So I want to get the energy moving with our guest and move in. But maybe at the end, I'll put in something about uh, perspective about coaching, or maybe we'll do it separately. Okay. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Uh, I want to, I'm very excited to get to our uh, first guest, or our only guest this hour, is uh, a financial genius. He's a, a financial wizard. He's host of Financial Underdogs. He's author of Unicornomics. He's creator of Black Belt Wealth. He's a bestselling author of more than 11 books in personal finance and money thinking. Uh, the uh, Financial Underdogs podcast, uh, as I said, and he's the owner of more than 50 companies, as well as founder of his own martial art. These are all things we have not done. Uh, please welcome to our microphone and to our <laughs> Zoom line, uh, for the first time, Damian Lupo. Hello, sir. Hello, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being had, as we like to say. Where do you join us from? What's, wh- when you look outside, what are you
1: looking at? It's an undisclosed location in the middle <laughs> of the mountains. Uh, here. No, it's, uh, it's in Phoenix. Uh, so everything is beautiful. It's, I mean, it's kind of weird. Uh, we were talking about this before, uh, before the show, and, and it's blue skies for the first time in a long time. Because nobody's out polluting anything, so it's actually relatively beautiful, and the temperature's beautiful. So the moments of being outside are are wonderful. Uh, the rest of the time, I'm I'm inside, like I normally am, working and doing my thing, keeping busy so that I don't lose my mind thinking about things in my mind.
0: Right. Thanks for sharing that. And do you have a? Uh, do you live with people? Do you have kids? What do you got over there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Have, um have my, my girlfriend here, and, and so it's just the two of us. Fortunately, otherwise, you just end up talking to yourself, walking in circles. So it is nice to have somebody.
0: Or, or in my case, I do it with an audience. So the, um, uh, let's talk about money. Uh, first of all, everybody's freaking out. What's the, what's the number one advice to everybody, no matter whether you've got a lot of money or no money, or whether your job has just gone away or whether your job is exploding? What's the number one piece of advice you're giving people these days financially?
1: The, the the money situation is not going to eat you. I, when I lost $20 million in 2008, Ooh. I thought my life was over. I thought I was going to be eaten alive. It was literally a primal instinct because money is survival and it, it equates to shelter and food. And so I thought, I'm going to die. Like some a- animal or monster or dinosaur is going to come out of the brush and eat me. And I mean, that could happen as a kid in Alaska. You could have something come out of the woods and eat you, that's possible. But in for most of us, it's a It's an irrational fear and and so just understanding that nothing is going to eat you and that uh, you're going to get through this, we're all going to get through this together. I think that that's a big thing that people are not sitting with for a minute because it is true.
0: Great, so fear is the number one thing that, that we're dealing with. Alex, what about you? Is this consistent with what you're experiencing uh, with your clients? Are they freaking out about money? Are they just scared about the unknown future what? I, you know, honestly, I've been really lucky. I
2: have, my clients uh, have either seen this as like opportunity. They're like, how do I, how do I get some, how do I take something from this? How do I grow from this? Where's the gold in this? They've been very glass half, half full. Um, and the ones that have had brought up money things were bringing up money things before this happened. So it's just shined a brighter light on it. So I, but what I do know, so I can't speak to it from my client's perspective. I know for me, it's in the back of my head. Like what Damien was just saying, there's fears in the back of my head that every day I wake up and I go, that voice says, all your clients are going to quit. You're going to have nothing and you're going to have to, you know, start over and figure it all out. And I have to work that out almost every day in some way, shape or form. It's
0: a, it's a real, uh, it's a real thing. I've got one client who runs a couple of different businesses in several different countries and uh, of all the clients that I've that I've got uh, work with, uh, he's the one who's uh, wants to quit immediately and I love what you said about it sort of shines a light on what's already there because you know the the issue of course that we're dealing with in life is that they'll start something and then kind of quit on it and move on to something else right um, David, is that your experience are people are people sort of in a rut or a track when it comes to money and, and we always do the same thing over and over?
1: we do and it's it's this this crazy thing uh, i mean delusion is is doing the same thing and expecting different results and people they continue to do that one of the other things that i've noticed people doing is they they look out and they go oh my gosh the stock market's on sale and so they're wanting to jump back in it's a, it's a sheeple herd mentality where they go oh it must be a good deal because it's lower and and it's it's called a dead cat bounce or a, a bear market trap these things happen, people are too anxious. There's this fear of missing out on the opportunity. The opportunities are gonna be here. When we talk about the fear, there's also the greed of the opportunity, but people aren't willing to be patient, and patience is where you can make a ton of money and create wealth if you're smart about it, but there's this anxiety that, you know we, we think about the, the depression of the past or the anxiety of the future, and people are anxious to get back in, and they're gonna, unfortunately, in my opinion, they're gonna get slaughtered because they're too anxious. And so I think people need to be rational and sit still and understand when you have a cycle like this where things are changing and a fire is basically lit up, it's burning things out and you have to let it burn things out and then there's opportunity, but doing it too soon, you're still in the middle of a fire and you're going to get burned
2: that's That's like a really beautiful um way to put it, right like if we look at like nature the there are natural fires, even if there weren't humans, it's a way that the soil gets like re I don't know. Uh, redeveloped. When we're in it as humans, though, what's how do we? How do you give advice or support those people that are saying, "But I have kids, and I need to buy food, and I got to pay rent, and the fi- and, and it's burning down, and I, you know, I'm freaking out. I don't have any savings, or I have debt. Like, when you're bring that.
1: Well I think one of the things we need to do is is sit still for a minute and ask what is true. It's it's the central premise question for the book I wrote in 2012 called Reinvented Life where I was thinking about my experience losing all this money, losing my health, losing everything pretty much and I asked started asking what is true. We're not being honest about what's true right now. We're we're saying I don't have any money and I have these expenses and the reality is we have a lot more expenses than we need. We're we think we need a lot more food than we do. I mean we're basically fat dumb and happy and overly stimulated and we feel like we need that. We don't need that. We want that. And if we are rational, if, if we tell the truth, then we can find that there's a lot less that's needed. And so survival becomes not so much of a stretch, but more of a, okay, here are the three things I need to do. A big part of that is having somebody else reflect back and ask better questions, which with coaching and mentoring is a beautiful part of the experience where somebody that's not in the emotion and the drama can sit still with you. And, and actually ask a question. So you can sit, you can go, oh, okay, that's, that's right. I am not going to die today. Like I can actually figure out how to get some rice and beans or whatever it is. I'm not going to get evicted if I have a conversation with my landlord or my bank. Like it, Just asking better questions and then engaging people at a human level really changes our level of emotion and drama.
0: I want to I want to go back to the to the sort of macro before we get to the micro, but I definitely want to get to what we should be doing. What are the actions we should be taking? But when we when we look at this, I've heard you say we're not in a storm, and I I you know it feels like it.
1: <laughs> well, the so the, the I, I call this not a storm. I call this a season. I call this winter, and and I think a lot of people think it's a storm. Um, but it's I would I would say that that's a very temporary thing. Like I was at Costco a few weeks ago, and I saw this guy who clearly was chattering and thought there was a problem. But his solution was a rack of ribs and some beer, like it was a, a football weekend. And I was looking at him, and I'm thinking, this is not a weekend event, buddy. This is a, this is a shift. There's a major event going on, and so I think we we need to have the framework and be rational about what this is. This is a major reset. It's not going to be something that's, that's done in a couple of weeks and and for most people it's hard for them to imagine different because we have a cognitive bias towards the past it's called the normalcy bias and we think the future is going to be the past and if it's not it makes us very nervous so we i think we just have to understand that we're in this together and and really start connecting and i see that it's really kind of cool i see a lot more people connecting with all the different zoom it's why zoom is breaking right now basically everybody's connecting on it and it big picture i think there's a lot of healthy powerful good that's coming out of this with connection because as much as we've got connection theoretical or fake connection with social media that's not connection that was just you know being amongst people and here i'm noticing people tend to be more connected so big picture this this season is like we're hunkering down in the winter it's cold but we're connecting and i i'm actually very grateful for that piece of it
0: alex what about you what are you doing with your money are you spending what you usually spend? Have you stopped? Have you, are you hunkering down?
2: So the, the fir- when this started, the first thing, I don't like to um, quickly cut things off because I feel like then it, I'm implying that things are scarce. Um, and I don't, I don't like to go with that attitude, but I also wanted to be realistic and look at what's so. So the first thing I did, I think at the beginning of March, was I actually just made a list of all the expenses that go on my credit card automatically every month. And I looked at which ones, like, do I actually need? Like, I use Zoom for business. I, I, maybe I can go to Google Hangouts, but that costs some money too. So I did a quick evaluation of what the truth was. And there's clearly some things that I need that are that I think I need that are wants um, that I decided at that time it was okay to keep. And then I decided that there were other things that weren't. But I know, you know, I spend a lot of money on restaurants and in restaurants, on drinks, going out, and I'm not spending any of that money. I'm cooking every meal at home. I'm you know, not going out and entertaining myself or doing any activities. I'm reading a lot more. So I think there's a default in, there's a spending of less money as a, as a natural way that I've changed my lifestyle. Where I've been looking is how do I increase what I'm bringing in? How do I use this as a time to pivot and maybe see outside of the box in a way that I haven't seen before?
1: You know, along those lines, uh, w- one of the the great strategies for g- acknowledging what we're spending and so talking about money is to literally call your credit card and have them give you a new credit card and shut it off with the potential fraud exposure. What that does is it stops everything, so that you have to get very present and clear about what you're doing because every time somebody tries to charge that card going forward, you're going to get an email saying, "Oh my gosh, your card has failed. It's the end of the world for them," and and you're going to have to decide. So what That's it does, good. instead of being on default for spending all this money, we actually have to start making decisions again, and it forces us to ask the question on every charge, is this important? So it's a really good way to put yourself in front of this stuff versus chasing it and going, oh, that card, that charge just happened, and maybe I'll do something next month. You actually have to do something for everything over the next 30 days. So it's a great way to refresh and reprocess all your choices.
0: That's brilliant. That sounds like <laughs> a
1: brilliant idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, what, Davian, I know a lot of people, including myself, I stayed up uh, late last night trying to get on my bank's website so that I could file for some of these uh, programs, the, the government programs that are available now. Can you kind of run us through those really quickly? What what coaches and independent entrepreneurs or uh, people who have taken the time to incorporate or create an LLC can do?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the simplest one is the the paype- Paycheck Protection uh, Program and basically what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to take up to $100,000 a year which is your so if you, regardless of what you make up to 100,000 kind of net you can take that and and two and a half times that you can borrow so for a, on a monthly basis so if you make 100,000 or you make 200,000 you can take 8300 a month and two and a half times that, which is about $20,000, you can borrow that from the the Small Business Administration. Effectively, it's coming from them. It's gonna come from your bank first. And and basically what this is, it's a loan that's forgivable. So in a year, you're gonna have the option of potentially getting forgiveness, and if you pay it, it's a two-year loan at 1%. It's basically a way to give you a couple months breathing room uh, that's the primary one there's you know if you've got employees that's a there's some other stuff you, because it's really all about payroll the government is is focused on on making sure there's money out there so that not everybody gets fired i mean that's there's there's going to be a lot of that but this is their their first, one of their attempts we're going to have another stimulus probably multiples but this is the first big one and so it's really here's the thing right now there's only 350 billion dollars earmarked for this so if if you're thinking about this stop thinking go to your bank and go and, and apply because you may there may be a point where they run out of money and when they do that there's you, unless Congress passes another rule or another piece of legislation I you're out of luck so time is of the essence right now it's not time to think it's time to do something
0: and that uh, I think April second or third was the first day that companies could do it but individuals individual solopreneurs entrepreneurs can apply is it April tenth.
1: I, I, yeah, I believe so. It was, it was like a week a week lag for the individuals. So we're talking I, you know, Friday. So when that's available, we've got a lot of the money already being sucked up by franchises and things. So there's, right. there, I mean, many billions are already spoken for. So it's one of those things, bright and early, the day it opens, you want to make sure that you're applying.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, the other things for employers, uh, so not so much uh, for most coaches. But if we are employing people, is there something else that you're recommending or pointing people to these days?
1: Yeah. If, if you've got employees or you've got people that you're paying commissions to right now, you can apply it that. It is open for, for doing that. Uh, and it, it basically allows you to take your entire payroll and your monthly payroll, multiply it by two and a half times and borrow that amount of money and then use it for your business expenses. And, and the rule is, if you've been impacted by the, this virus, this, this epic economic shifting, It'd be hard to say that we have not been impacted. I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about your story about going to Europe, and I've got normally in a year, I have between twenty and thirty trips and events and sponsorings, and we have zero. and so i'm it's kind of weird. I'm in the same bed every night for weeks consistently right. <laughs> i've' had, hadn't had that experience since I was in high school.
0: You're like, honey, I mean, I like being with you, right? But I'm used to having a little time in a hotel room where I can get complete control of the remote. Yeah, Uh, I feel that. And um, are you okay? I mean, you've got a lot going on, right? But, uh, for example, uh, I don't think Alex or I has created our own martial art. But are you doing uh, fine? Are you weathering this winter okay?
1: I don't know what you're, what you're doing. I mean, you, you've got time. I don't know why you haven't started martial <laughs> art. I mean, it seems like the right thing to do.
2: I, I have actually, it's just not, there's no certification for it. It's just a thing that I do in front there's of There's a meeting. lot
1: of sitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, see, Chris, I, Alex has done it. So, I mean, I, you're just the, the odd man out here. Uh, the, the Here's one of the keys I think for all of us, it's finding things that you care about deeply and engaging them deeply because what I notice is a lot of people with too much time, and this happens a lot of times when people retire. In general, they their mind just gets bored. And I mean, the average American male dies within three years of retirement. And it's a weird space. It's almost kind of like a mini retirement. We're just sitting at home. Many many of us, and so finding things that we care about. I, I I'm actually busier now than I was before this all happened. Like I wake up and I hit the ground running after a little meditation and a little lemon juice. And I, I'm like, wow, it's seven o'clock at night and I've just been going and, and, I, and I'm still in my gym clothes because I had planned to start working out in the morning and now it's seven o'clock and I'm like, okay, and I built a gym in my, my house now. So I get back into that. A lot of times I hear people that are a little, I think they're just, they're, they're looking for meaning. And um, a, you know, great, a great book is A Man's Search for Meaning to really dig into this whole thing because we're searching for it right now. Keeping really busy with something is incredibly important. And something that matters, like that your creative juices, whatever you like creating, if you like making face masks, go go <laughs> go make them. like whatever it is you like to do. and I, that's what's keeping me really engaged. And quite honestly, I'm gonna wake up on the other side of this and go, "Wow, that was a blur because I was so busy and it's here's the 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 secret. find a way to serve people. like i I'm finding ways to connect with people even more than I normally do, calling more people, my clients and and just checking in and, and seeing what I can do for them and finding new ways to create content and putting it out there, this is a great time to build our connections, our network, and our brand. I mean, really great time because people have a lot of time to pay attention to you if you actually have something that you're passionate about and it's useful.
2: Damien, I'm curious about, like you just, you just talked about earlier about how this is a major reset, a major shift, and this is winter. And then you also are talking about how this is a great time to produce and do like how do you what's the, where's the kind of balance there or or how do you how do you work between both of those so you're not just in the like i'm trying to harvest like it's spring i'm all you know you're rea- you're being with the winter but you're also you know just not letting yourself completely i guess go stir crazy
1: well the, one of the things we can do is we can sharpen the axe so in the in the winter you think of a very cold environment where maybe you're not outside which is like now regardless of where we are even in phoenix it's 80 degrees but we're mostly inside and it's time to sharpen the axe and the best way to sharpen the axe is to work on your own personal development so it's not necessarily that you're out there cutting things out of the trees and harvesting fruit but it's it's really setting setting the the framework and the groundwork so that on the other side of this we're ready the opportunity. One of the reasons this is really important. There's going to be incredible opportunities, but if you're not ready personally, if you don't have your personal development uh, growth in place, you're not going to be able to embrace and engage the opportunities. It's. I think Jim Rohn said it years ago that your level of, of financial wealth will never will, will never rise above your level of personal development. And so, right now, sharpening the axe. So on the other side, you are sharper and ready to go. Is is the thing that that makes the difference it's not about just learning a new tool or something it's about shifting you in this whole process and so it it it's a choice i mean we have all this time we all have the same time great great equalizer and, and are we are we going to engage it i mean meditating is interesting because it actually allows us to grow while we're sitting still and and so being mindful of what we're doing it doesn't mean just grinding. I think that's the mistake and maybe that's the, the, the distinction. It's not about grinding, it's actually choosing thoughtfully and mindfully. And this is where having you know having your coach, having the person that you've hired to engage, giving you feedback and reflecting back on your choices, what you're gonna spend your time doing. Are you just gonna show up six months from now, really the same person or are you gonna evolve? And that is an absolute choice.
0: That's a beautiful note. Um.
1: Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now.
0: The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the World's Finest Coach Training Program.
1: Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach.
0: I can't not ask about the I know that we need to talk about some other things including retirement planning and and financial literacy for people but I can't not ask about your own martial art what was missing from all the existing you know dozens of martial arts that you thought I got to create my own and I assume that you were into martial arts before you created your own you sort of
1: yeah it, it it's a great question um, it, it sort of makes me laugh because a lot of times people say, Oh, I, I want I want to I want to get a black belt and how long does that take? And I go, Fifteen minutes. Go to Dick's Sporting Goods. You can go buy yourself a black belt. And and so they go, what? And I go, it's it's a process. It's it's something that happens. Same thing when you develop your own martial art. It sort of happens because you're amongst this this creative process where you're in and you're training. And after years of training, things start coming together. Like you train in different I, I trained in, in four or five different art styles. And what I noticed was that things were starting to come together and the missing piece in the martial arts world was my essence. It was my unique DNA that fused Aikido and yoga and Reiki together and that's who I am. It's a healing process of conflict resolution where you release tension and heal the opposition in the, in the entire, uh, the same process. That, w- that doesn't exist. I mean, that was me because that's who I am. And that's why it had to be born because I was pregnant with it. Like it I was totally, ready to go.
0: I totally need that in my marriage. So how, when you create your own martial art, what do you, you get like a group of your guy friends or, or people together and, and practice and say, what about this? And we could add that in, or how did you create
1: it? It's it, so that's, that I've had, I have a, a sensei a friend of mine that I've traveled to Tibet with, and he has created a couple of different martial arts. And so his process was more groupthink. It was more of a collaboration where people were working together. Mine was really st- in a way strange because it was just how I was teaching and when I actually watched what I was teaching over a period of about 2 years I realized there was something that was different and it was people were learning yokido before they realized what yokido was maybe before it had a name and then I said ah this is the name this is what we're doing because it was different and it, it was what bruce lee did in a way where he took different pieces of different things and said okay I like this piece I don't like this piece from this thing so I'm keeping what I like and throwing out what I don't which is a very good practice for anything that we're learning a new tool technique strategy take the best and what you love and just discard the rest it's not for you and that's what i did with the with the martial arts so following in, in a master's footsteps in that respect has been a good model
2: it's it's funny to to listen to you christopher ask about this and damien for you explain it because as somebody who went through accomplishment coaching christopher's program that he created i'm like this sounds like what christopher did for personal development and developing leadership and coaches. You looked around, you took the best pieces from other, you know, like you made, you made some things up yourself, you got some great other minds involved. And so it's, it's interesting to hear you wrap around how did he do this when I have it that you did the exact same thing, just it wasn't a, a physical practice.
0: Nice, thanks for putting that together for me, yeah. And to be clear, all the best parts of our program are from other people, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, it's just astounding to me and how long has your practice been uh damien how long have you been doing martial arts practice
1: so this is the 20th year which is uh, a very it's its kind of an interesting thing just to be talking about things i remember years ago saying looking at my, my dad made a comment before he passed away he said wow i've been friends with that guy for 50 years and i'm thinking 50 years and so to say 20 years or to start defining things in decades and, and going, wow, like the, the teens in, in most of the, the world was a, a bull market. Quite frankly, if you weren't getting wealthier, something was wrong because everything seemed to be growing and booming. And, and, and so we, it's, it's kind of a fascinating thing to start looking at that. It's also valuable. Like I always make the comment that if you, if you want to have perspective, make sure you have people that are grayer and balder than you in your, on your team so that have been through stuff. And that's, I think that's one of the most valuable things we can do is, is have that perspective from people that have the experience because that's where the wealth is. It's in the experience. It's not a million dollars or $10 million. That's just made up dead people on, on green pieces of paper. What's, what's real wealth is having gone through things and that experience can't be taken away. And that's the thing we tend to be afraid of because of the mistakes and the judgment. And yet that's where we actually get set free.
0: That's so, man. I want to. I want to spend a minute here. I know that Alex probably has other things to talk about, but um, I love a lot of things that you pointed to there. The first is, you know, I've got a men's mastermind group, and it and it it actually grew into created a new podcast series that I'm starting called the OGs of Coaching, because our profession, being relatively young, you know, arguably in its twenties, uh, is there's a lot for the new young to people just starting out to learn from the people who were here that created it, you know, that used our machetes in the darkness and the wilderness to create this profession. And a lot of us are, you know, passing away or retiring and that sort of thing. So I love what you're pointing to there about, you know, getting the wisdom of the elders in whatever profession you're into, but definitely in coaching. The other thing that I love is um, this notion of longevity, and I'll bet you know I, I I laughed when you said that thing about being uh, like anybody who had you know because I put a couple of bucks in the stock market and like everybody I had a, a good you know twenty or twenty five years right so now to see the numbers go down is a little bit heartbreaking in terms of retirement and being a guy with some white hair but the um, the opportunity is to recognize hey that was that was a pretty good run twenty five years. Um, I wonder if we could point to your experience of having you alluded earlier to having had a lot of wealth and to having gone through the crisis of two thousand and eight, right? The big crash, having gone through your own crash, it sounds like in two thousand and twelve and coming back the the resilience, the bounce back of that. What have you got for us about that?
1: Well, one of the things that i've I've had the fortunate and at the time unfortunate experience of was losing everything financially three different times. The biggest was in in 2008, which was a common experience for a lot of people. I thought if, because at that point, and I, this is a very, very common thing, so this is really important for everybody listening to think about, we tie our net worth and our self-worth together so badly that when the stock market goes up, we feel abundance. It's it's the the crowd effect where, oh, everything's going up, so I can take out more debt, I can buy a bigger house because my 401k is bigger. We tend to do these things. and. And then the same thing happens when the markets go down. Oh my gosh, the world is ending. The markets are down, and so we get all tangled up in this in this stuff. And what I learned was when I sat still and I actually had therapy. Uh, it was it was actually kind of a, it was a therapy coaching session. It was about the same session for almost two straight years. And there was one question: what What is true? And what I realized was that I was not a walking, talking balance sheet. That there was more to me. And the problem I had was that I I didn't have a purpose or a mission and this word is thrown out a lot, and yet it's not really embraced as much as it should be, and normally I don't say should because I don't think we should be shitting on ourselves. In this case, it's, it's a must. We must have a mission that is more, it's bigger than us, and I had my mission, which was called hedonism. I'm gonna consume as much as I possibly can, so I was going out, I was having a good time, I was spending money, had Ferraris, like the whole nine, and it was fun, except it was, it was satisfying a surface level, and we need more than success. Success is the surface level. We need fulfillment. And for me, realizing that fulfillment was going to be about other people, it was gonna be about teaching, going going out there and giving the best that I had, we all have something to teach and share with people. And that was the shift. It was going away from just going out and getting money, riding the stock market to finding a way to serve and letting the money be a side effect and not the focus.
2: Nice. I want to, um, Christopher just brought it in, and I just want to touch on it really quick before we go in a different direction. Christopher brought up retirement. And there's two different conversations. One is, I, I think there's two different. One is for people that are older, that are seeing you know, these losses or this winner hit them. And then let's say there's like another group of people that are in their 20s, let's say anyone from 45 down that have a maybe a longer gap before they retire depending on who they are and what their goals are. But how do you see, what's the mindset that you would give or the mindset advice you would give to those two different groups?
1: There, there's a friend of mine that I was talking with who used to work at CNN and pretty high profile. And and I said, so what is your deal when we were first getting to know each other? And he said, well, I, I retired when I was 35. It was, and my, it was advice that I got from grandfather, grandmother. The advice was retire as early as you can so you can figure out your life, the rest of your life figure out the meaning. And I, I thought, that's really good advice. And it's not that we're meant to stop working. A lot of people, with they think of retirement, I generally hate the word retirement because it means stopping engaging. And my opinion is if you stop engaging, the universe says you're taking up space, which is why most people die very quickly. So we need, we need something, we need some mission. What we don't need is a constant freak out lifestyle around money and so what retirement means to me it's taking money out of the equation and that's that's really a, the same conversation whether you're 30 or 60 it's not being f- scared and not being focused on money having money handled and so this is this is where the personal development comes into play and and so it doesn't matter what the age is it's it's you controlling money it's you uh, it's it's all of us taking responsibility the biggest problem with the stock market is we're abdicating responsibility we're not even delegating. We're just going to blame somebody. We're going to be victims to it. We're going to say, oh, I, you know, it's up, it's down. You have nothing to do with it. You can't impact it. The other side of, of the choice is, hey, I'm going to do things that I can actually control and impact. And And how do you do that? You figure out ways to serve more people. We all have that ability. So in terms of retirement, if you are serving more people, you are never going to worry about money if you're really being honest about your service. If you're trying to figure out how to get more money out of people's wallets, you sound like Grant Cardone. And I don't like it when I hear him talking about that, even though I like a lot of stuff he says when he says, okay, who's got my money? I'm like, dude, that's taking man. That is, that is not contribution. That's, that's consuming other people. Like you're a freaking velociraptor. So I'm not a big fan of going into relationships with that approach. I I think that if, if we all go into relationships with the, the idea that we can serve and make people's lives better, we don't have to be concerned about retirement. Most people are afraid because they stopped contributing. And when you stop contributing, you're just consuming. And when you're just consuming, eventually, I think you're going to get pushed out of the, the ecosystem.
2: That's great. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about my parents as you were doing that. And I was like, well, how, what would they say? And it doesn't matter. But the thing I was thinking is like, they have something to contribute. They have value. They have information. They have wisdom. They have experience. And they have training in all different things. Um, but I can totally see that what most people do when they talk about retirement is what you're saying. It's like, how do I just stop doing whatever I've been doing and live off whatever I've produced? Um, that was really nicely put. I want to talk about like your your mission. Your mission, where you're going, what the goals are.
1: So the mission is, it, it, it's a big mission. And the reason it's big, a number of reasons. One thing is I heard from Ted Turner years ago, and he said his father had died. I, I believe he had cancer and, and he passed away. And one of the things that Ted talked about was that his father ran out of his mission. He literally had his goal and he accomplished it and like he was done. And that's one of the big problems. The goal is to hit retirement or it's to hit a million dollars in the bank or whatever it is. And then we're done. So my mission is something that I may not be able to accomplish in my lifetime. And that that's really what we should all be thinking in, in some part of our life. What is something that I can't possibly, like going to Mars is a really big one. Maybe we're going to get there. Okay. So maybe it's Pluto, but My mission is to free a million people from their financial shackles and free them from financial bondage. It's breaking those shackles that we've put on ourselves because unless you're in San Quentin or Leavenworth, you're in prison, your shackles are yours. You put them on and you can take them off. The mission is to give people ideas and tools and encouragement to unlock those shackles so that they're actually free. Our freedom isn't because somebody has taken it away. It's because we've chosen to let it go or to lock ourselves down. So th- everything that I do, whether it's the teaching or the retirement plans where people can get out of the stock market and into things that they can control, whatever it is, it has to do with releasing those, those shackles because we put them on ourselves. And there, there's nobody out there that's not in prison that can tell me that they haven't put on their own shackles. We just have to have a more honest conversation.
0: So great. Um, I noticed that I'm concerned that people listening Especially people who have been hard hit by, you know, the loss of a job or significant loss of income, may be listening for. But what do I do? I appreciate the mindset, but what do I do now when the, you know, the income won't support the outgo? Do you are you supporting people to take unusual or new and creative steps towards getting their income? Is it time for people to do the thing they've always wanted to do, or is it time for people to cut their rates in half to try and attract customers? How, how are you supporting people to be both in the driver's seat and, you know, when they're
1: feeling so fearful? Well, there's, there's two things. One, we got to stop digging, and then we got to start giving more. So the so the digging part reminds me of when my burn rate was 75,000 a month. And when everything was melting down and I had my Ferraris and all this other stuff, I, I had a buddy that we would keep each other accountable he came down. We were talking, going over our financials, and I said, "Look, I'm, I've slashed. I'm down to twenty-five thousand a month, and I didn't really have a lifestyle except." He goes, "You're literally crazy. You've got twenty-five thousand a month that you're burning, and I just I was attached to things. I wasn't very open to the reality I was in that I wasn't making any income. So the first thing was, is, is let's look at reality. Like, what are we actually spending? What do we have? What what can we do?" I think I watched a family member that had three or four cars and they were telling me they were going to lose their house. And I said, you have vintage cars. What are you doing? Well, we got to have those because grandpa gave them to us. And I was like, I think grandpa would not want you to be homeless with your vintage car. So just being rational about that to start with and then figuring out how to give more. So when we're talking about cutting rates or doing things, sometimes it's, it's literally just getting the energy flowing in the right direction. So what can you do to serve other people? There's this magic that happens when you start focusing on that because people say, I want more because I trust you. And when they trust you, they're going to engage you. And so, no matter what you're doing, it's going out and finding ways to serve people. If you start with the service, again, the side effect is the money. It doesn't matter whether you're charging or not charging or you're hustling, find ways to serve. It, that might mean that you say, Look, I want to help you and let me give you some of my time. The most valuable thing we have right now is our time. And so, it, it's, it's going with the approach of not, I need your money. It's, you know what, it's important for me to, to serve you right now. I think that's a different mindset than most people have had because they're too busy thinking about how much they're going to get out of the thing. So focusing on the service is a very practical thing. It doesn't matter. I'm talking serious. If you can make masks or you can help somebody and you can coach them or you can walk somebody's dog or whatever, there, there's a million things that we can do if we're thinking from the right space versus thinking from the, the space of taking.
0: it's really really clear i um do you have i I feel like maybe we glossed over the cutting rates is there something for you about people making themselves i noticed that uh when it comes to some of the endeavors i'm in in some cases people aren't worried at all about the price or the contract that they've signed and in and many organizations for example have immediately cut all coaching services because in their view as you point limited as you point out, limited view, that that's, a, that's an expense we can stop right away. Um, is it important for coaches to sort of stand for their pricing at this point, or is it important for us to recognize that people are scared and to get more flexible, or do you have a recommendation?
1: I, I don't think cutting rates is the, is the right approach. I think finding ways to serve more and doing going above and beyond. So it's, it's, it's like most businesses say, oh, da- we're down, so we're going to slash our marketing the dumbest possible thing you can do in business is slash right. your marketing. And it's the same thing with a, a company that has coaching services. To In a time of, of chaos and drama, the last thing you should be doing, I tell people there's two people you should have whenever you start your business, your life. It's your coach and your bookkeeper. And make sure you have them all the time because you're going to lose perspective without the coach and you're going to lose clarity without the numbers. So we need to have both of these. Like a company isn't going to cut their accounting department and just wing it. And that's what you're doing. You're winging it. If you don't have your coach, if you don't have the, 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 that other thinking, because we are emotional. And so going in and saying, look, this is important. Here's how I'm going to help you navigate this thing. And I'm going to do more than I normally do because I know it's extra important. So let's really dig in. Like, you're going to get 200% of me. That's how you keep people engaged. They go, oh, like, you're really stepping up for me. And they're going to be there forever. So it's not about figuring out how you're going to cut your rates. You're going to blend in and turn into a commodity. You, gotta, you know how valuable you are, so you own it and make sure you communicate that and then deliver.
0: I love that. I also, um, if I can ask a follow-up, and Alex, I know yeah, I'm kind no of squeezing you no, out, but um, when people threaten to quit or I feel like I need to quit, whether it's an organization that's a client or an individual that's a client, what do you recommend that we do? Do we sort of fold up our tent and say, "Oh well, you're leaving"? Do you do you stand for the value? Is there some some sort of direction that you point entrepreneurs or business people? in?
1: Well, this this actually goes back to a bigger problem, and that's called we're attached because we probably don't have enough people in the pipeline, and and so there, when we're trying to figure out how to keep that one person or that one client. That's not the focus. The focus is delivery, and people change. We can't control people. What we can do is is control our activities. There's something in, in business called critical drivers and key performance indicators. One's an outcome, one's an input. You can, you can absolutely control your inputs, how many people you're talking to, what you're doing, dr- driving. The outcome of how many people are paying you is a reflection of your input, but you can't sometimes... You can't necessarily control whether somebody's business goes bankrupt or whether you know they their their customers stop paying them so those things you can't control what you can control is going and talking to more people serving more people and i think that that's the the biggest thing if you're only if you've got two people or 20 people you know double it think about exponentially growing your impact and that's going to take you away from this attachment it's a a buddhist philosophy of non-attachment be open be open to serve be non-attached because the attachment will make everybody freak out you and them.
2: That's really, that's, that's really powerful. I wanted to, you made me think, I wanted to share this. Um, So in November, I had, I had a full practice, great pipeline, and about half my practice left at one time between November and December to end the year. And I, last year was the best year I ever had. It didn't change that, but it did, it was like a slap in the face, you know, went from 15 clients to seven or eight, like almost overnight. And the people that were in the pipeline weren't filling in those spots right away. And in the moment, I, I freaked out a little bit. And I went, you know what? I, I, I kind of did what you said. And I looked at what the truth was. Hey, still best year I ever had. So like, hey, let's just finish the year. And we'll start up next year. And what's been pretty amazing about it from what you said is not attached. Like I let those people go. And I actually felt at the time that most of them weren't my people. They weren't my ideal clients. They weren't the people I really enjoy coaching. And I had to keep reminding myself that not be attached to the financial stake and what I'm really present to now is how if those people had been on my roster when what's going on right now happened they were they were the kinds of people who are glass half empties and that their that energy would have almost like infected me and then filtered into my whole practice and the clients that I have and the clients that have added since that happened are all glass half full people and it's shifted the way I am as a coach, it's left me be more unattached. So my, my ability to be unattached then has now translated to my ability to be unattached now and also have faith. Like almost, you know, whatever you believe, like the universe had me then. It knew like we need to clear these people out or you're gonna be in trouble in three months.
0: Um,
1: that's a, that's a that's a big a, a big distinction and a great question another great question when things are happening in our world because we can't control we can control how we think about things and we can control what we do the the best question I know of is when we're thinking oh my gosh why is this happening to me it's just asking a slightly different question why is this happening for me and if if you have your schedule open up and half your people leave one of the things that we could think about is this just opened up a whole bunch of time for the things that I didn't have the blocks of time to do, whether it's writing that book or building a course or doing deep introspective work. It's, it's a gift. And this time at home can be a curse or a gift. It's the same time. It's the same 24 hours. What are we doing with it? How are we using that? I mean, there's productive ways of doing it. And then there's kicking the dog. Like you really have a choice on what you're going to do and you can love on your family or you can scream at them. And, and there's, there's tolerance. I'm like, I'm, I'm learning tolerance and and some of the things that we're going to be learning now, we've never had to face before, but that happens when you're in a confined space. So all these things that we think are traumatic, they actually may, if we lose half of our money in the stock market, that may be a really good opportunity to say, wow, I don't have any control here. What skills do I need to learn? Who do I need to study with to have control of my finances versus being on this damn roller coaster? Well,
0: it is so, so edifying and so supportive to talk to you, and I appreciate all the work that you've done, the 11 books, Black Belt Wealth, Financial Underdogs. Let, let, let's let people know how to get more Damien Lupo in their life. First of all, uh, there's a bunch of websites. The the main primary one is Damien, and I want to spell it because your name is just a little bit different than most people spell Damien, which is D-A-M-I-O-N, Lupo, lup com. Damien Lupo. You can also find Damien and his work at Financial Underdogs com, which might be easier to remember uh, uh, in terms of my spelling ability. And what about uh, Black Belt Wealth? Is that another place people can find me?
1: Yeah, so Black Belt Wealth is the is the teaching. It's, it's the coursework. It's, it's what I do. It's, it's the way that I've been able to find a way to serve more people. So the mentoring work I've done over the last 20 years, helping people, coaching them, and, and mentoring them through their finances, their money, their investing, what I found was that there were a lot of people that wanted more help and I finally decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to take everything I've got and I'm going to put it into the essence of me. It's like my own martial art. Black Belt Wealth is taking the, the martial arts philosophies and principles and meshing them into the money because it's the same thing. It's the same conflict. It's the same tension. It's the same relationship in the, on the, in the dojo, on the mat, being bloodied and bruised as it is in the financial world. And so Black Belt Wealth is taking all that stuff and using different principles to understand the other side of, of whether it's finance or martial arts. So I just, that that's how people get more at any point in their life, whether they're brand new and they've got 50 bucks or whether they're a billionaire. It doesn't really matter to me where somebody's at. It matters that they have access. And so that's why I created that program was to give people access to to shifting their lives.
0: It's so generous and consistent with your mission. Will you share your mission with us?
1: Yeah, to to break a million people's financial shackles and free them from financial bondage
0: so important. And I appreciate so much the work that you've done. You're also a very generous person and you have a giveaway for our listeners. What will, what will one lucky listener get today?
1: What what I'd like to do is I'd like to be able to give whoever fits them the most. And if you want to reach out to me directly, um, I've got a number of different books, whether it's my book on retirement or reinvented life, Uh, I'd like you to reach out and, and hit me on LinkedIn and just reach out and say, Hey, I heard you on the show. And I, this would actually really, I think this one is the one that I need right now. And, and I want you to reach out and I'm going to send that book to you, whatever it is. So you can poke around and figure out whatever pulls you, that's the book that I should send you. So just let me know which one that is.
0: That is so great. And of course, on LinkedIn, the same same name, D A M I O N, Lupo, L U P O. You can find them on LinkedIn and Insta and Twitter and every place else. Um, Damien, we're coming to the end of our time together. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for keeping a a steady head in such a turbulent time. Is there? I'd like to give you the last uh, moments, the last of our moments together. Do you have a parting thought or a parting shot for our listeners?
1: The one of the greatest pieces of of wisdom and advice that I've heard, and it's it's a collective wisdom that has come in uh, because, as you mentioned earlier, all the stuff that we create is generally an influence from other people there's there's an idea that mistakes are bad. We're, we're taught and trained that doing things that are wrong or that we, we look stupid, that that's bad. If we get an F, we've made 50% wrong. In the reality, 50% wrong means 50% right, which means we're a billionaire. The point of that is that mistakes that we make are gifts from, from the universe, from God, wrapped up in pain they aren't something that we should avoid. That's how we grow. And so the more things you can make mistakes with, the more you're going to grow, the happier you're going to be, the better your life purpose is going to be. Find the mistakes, even when they're painful, find them more, fail frequently, and you'll find your life opening up.
0: Oh, What a great inspirational uh, reminder. Thank you very much, sir. That's Damien Lupo, D-A-M-I-O-N-L-U-P-O.com, and will be the gateway to everything, or you can hit him up on LinkedIn and get yourself a book that fits you in your situation. Alex Terranova is the Dream Mason. You can find him on thedreammason.com or on the Instagram, which I understand is very popular with the kids these days, at Inspirational Alex, also the Dream Mason podcast. Anything else you want to promote, Alex? Perhaps that book you wrote?
2: fictional authenticity. You can pick it up on Amazon. It's a great time to read right now. Probably have some extra time. Uh, also, I just released a really cool quiz called the Authenticity Audit, which you can find at thedreammason.com. So you can really just see how you're showing up. Are you being authentic? And it's not about like, it's really not about that authenticity is the way to go, but it's it's really to take a look at, hey, is the way you're showing up and being authentic serving you or not serving you? And you get to decide if it's something you'd want to be more authentic or. You know
0: if it's working for you. Thank you very much. And our uh, engineer is Adam Cott. Our producer is Clarice Connolly. And I am delighted to be uh, your host, Christopher McCallum, Master Certified Coach. You can find me at Accomplishment Coaching or com. I thank our delightful guests today, as well as our co-host. And I thank you, our dear listener, for being with us this week, as every week when we bring you people out on the cutting edge with information you need to know, or just something dang interesting in the world of professional coaching thank you for listening and we will talk to you next
1: week that's it for today's episode thanks for listening to the coaching show we will talk to you next week